Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. and are easy to, for you to carry throughout the week. Um, hopefully, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I have a tendency to get like one phrase of a song stuck in my head or just like, especially at like two or three o'clock in the morning. Anybody else like that? Like you just kind of repeat the same <laughs> lyrics or the same tune. Um, but that's a good one to get stuck on. Christ alone, cornerstone. And so especially with what we are talking about, um, which is love and dating, love and dating. And so learning to date and marry and love and all the good stuff of life God's way. All right. And so we started this last week with um, just a simple lesson on knowing your first love or recognizing your first love. Talking about as a Christian, your first love is not someone that you met at middle school camp. Um, it's not someone that you saw walking through the commons of school. It's none of those things. Your first love is Jesus Christ. And as you prioritize him and place him at the forefront of your life, the second, third, fourth, whatever love um, will follow in a proper order and pattern. And so we're going to move on today with um, lesson number two titled Protect your purity protect your purity and so genesis chapter number 39 i want you to really listen today um the the points i guess are not necessarily something uh, <coughs> and i say this often but um sometimes when we give fill in the blank notes um it's easy to just say oh i listened really well in church today because look at my notes i filled in the blanks um you can fill in the blanks and still miss the heart and the point of the lesson. And so I would encourage you, yes, fill in the blanks for those of you who are OCD, but to maybe add some thoughts around it because I think they will all help you clarify it um, if you are able to look back at that. And so Genesis chapter number 39, let's begin reading in verse number 7. This is obviously the story of Joseph, um, one of my favorite passages uh, just uh, because of how Joseph orchestrates his life and Lord and how he handles himself before the Lord and so um, I hope that you'll listen today as we read through this and verse number seven is where we will begin read down through verse number 21 the Bible says this and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph but she said lie with me but he refused and said and said unto his master's wife behold my master wotteth not what is with me in the house and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand there is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. Good job. I think that was four. All right. Normally I say two. I'll give you four that time. All right. Let's try it one more time. Who does he say the sin is against? God. He doesn't bring Potiphar into this. He doesn't bring himself into this. He doesn't bring Potiphar's wife into this. He says, this is a sin against God. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass... 
when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And, to, and it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into a, the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. I want you to read the next phrase of the first verse, or verse number 21, out loud together with me. But the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and here's what I want us to do. For just a couple of minutes before, we, or as we talk about this, I want you, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, to just say, Lord, would you point out any impurity in my life? Lord, would you point out any impurity in my life? I'll give you a couple seconds there just to talk to the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word. Lord, I pray that you would help me today as I speak. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be clear. Lord, help me not to say anything that would not be pleasing or honoring to you. Lord, this is a sensitive topic. I want to take it seriously, but I also want to convey it in a biblical way that can be applied to these young adults' lives. God, I ask that you would help us today as we look into this serious topic. Lord, may we as Christians see the value of what you have given us in our purity. Lord, may we never sacrifice it on the altar of, of maybe a short-term pleasure. Lord, may we never seek after it more than we seek after the purity of this world or the impurity of this world. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, guide us. Lord, protect us. Protect those in this room. God, I pray that you would help them to set safeguards in their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. I know that um, if you grew up in church, you've probably heard a lot of what we are about to talk about. Sometimes it has come across very cheesy. Um, sometimes it has come across demeaning. Sometimes it has come across uh, a borderline vulgar. Um, I, my goal is to not do any of those things. Today, I simply want us to look at a couple of facts from this passage and apply them to our lives because I think that that is so important. I think that where the church is at is this. Back in the 90s, early 2000s, when some of you were teenagers and growing up, there were people who taught and preached on purity. And sometimes, like I said, it did not always come across very good. I'm not promising that this will come across very good. Um, but I'm, I'm at least going to seek and try to do that and be wise with it. It did not always come across well. Maybe it was not always received well. It was maybe not always taught clearly. It was maybe not always um, given in a way that was pleasing to the Lord or pleasing to the ear. Um, this is what I will tell you, is in an attempt to maybe talk about something that is so important, I think in some ways we have a tendency to turn off just how valuable it is. And so what I want to do for the next couple minutes is simply elevate this idea of purity in your mind. 
The truth is, is that most of us do not go in day in and day out and ever really think about it. But I can promise you this, that there are constantly a barrage of attacks on your purity. There's things that come across your phone. There's things that come across your TV. There's things that maybe come across a book that you read or a friend that you're texting or even, place, even at your place of work, maybe conversations that you're having. Your purity is constantly under attack. And watch this. Most people, if, even if they do not constantly think and protect their purity consciously, they are subconsciously seeing that there is something that is gunning for them and trying to attack them. And so my goal is this, is that as we elevate and prioritize this idea of purity, our goal should be to remain pure as Christians, number one, for the glory of God. Number two, for the value that it provides to you as an individual. But number three, as a means of protection for your life. What we are talking about is something that is so serious, and yet sometimes it just becomes something that we almost make a mockery of. The culture wants you to remain impure. It wants you to experience impurity. And so what we are going to look at today out of this passage is simply three truths about your purity. Now let me walk you through some thoughts before we start. I know that based off of this room, everyone's at different stages of what we're about to talk about. There's some of you that you have struggled with something. And when I talk about purity, I'm not just talking about relationships outside of marriage. I'm talking about really any realm. As a Christian, you are called to purity. You're called to a pure mind. You're called to a pure heart. You're called to many of these things. And the truth is, is that sometimes we slip because we can constantly find an example of someone who's worse than we are. And that's not what Jesus Christ desires of us. Jesus Christ says, be holy for I am holy. He's called us to holiness as a result of his holiness. Meaning this, that you're not here to mimic someone else. You're not here to compare yourselves with someone else. You are here and you are called to purity because Christ is pure and holy. And so I know that based on just the, a room this size and a group this size, that everyone is at different stages of that. Number one, it's never too late to start again. It's never too late to start again. Number two, it does not matter where you are at on that scale. You can do your part to remain pure for the rest of your life. Whether you are dating, single, engaged, married, I don't care where you are, you can do your part to remain pure from this day on. You don't have to keep slipping up. You can experience victory through Jesus Christ. And so what I want us to look at for the next couple minutes is just simply these three truths or three facts, whatever you want to call them. And the first one is this, the world desires your impurity. The world desires your impurity. I want you to talk with me for just a second. Where was Joseph when this occurred? Where was he? What? Potiphar's house. What country? Sorry, should have been more clear in my question. Egypt, right? Okay. We often refer to Egypt as a picture of the world. Whether you do or whether you don't, here's what we can tell. Joseph has now been removed from, for lack of a better term, his comfort zone. Joseph has been, re has been really removed from his family. Joseph is in a place to where all of a sudden, all of the things that he's been taught, he is no longer accountable for. All they know about him is that he's a Hebrew. 
They don't know anything about his family upbringing. They don't know anything about what he's been taught. They don't know anything about what his family stands for. They don't know any of that. And so Joseph is completely removed from that. He's in a place to where he is in a worldly culture. He is in a place to where he has zero accountability. Joseph has every excuse to make the wrong decision here. But what he recognizes is this is that even though I am removed from maybe my protection and my comfort zone, it does not change the importance of what I am experiencing. And sometimes in life, here's what we have that occurs. We will get removed from maybe a comfort zone or our safe zone or what, what we know to be true, and all of a sudden we think, well, what I was taught in this bubble does not hold true in this bubble. And that could not be further from the truth. What is true and biblical and right in church is also true and biblical and right at the place of work. What is true and biblical and right in a Christian home is also true and biblical and right when you start dating. What is true and biblical and right in a Christian school is what is also true and biblical and right when you go to a university. Okay? You understand that, right? Just because the space or the location changes does not mean that the truth changes. And so Joseph, immediately when he walks into Egypt, he gets to a place of, he's elevated, he's, he is promoted, he's put in a place of power. He has every excuse to do that which is wrong. But what we see here is this, is that the world does not want you to remain pure. Egypt does not have a desire for you to remain pure. And if you think, well, that was just Joseph's scenario. I want you to go today and, actually don't go today. Don't do this. But if you turn on Netflix, what are the shows that are normally prioritized at the top of your Netflix, um, whatever, homepage, okay? It's normally not ones that are like child-friendly, right? Kid-friendly. If you go and you get on, I just turned on the Apple TVs over in the kids' church room. If you go and you turn on SmartCast, there's normally a little header or whatever on, on those. They're never advertising Cocoa Melon. You say, what's Cocoa Melon? All right, that's what our three, or our, how old is she? 15-month-old daughter, all right, watches, okay? They're normally not advertising learning your ABCs, all right? Because the culture and the world does not desire your purity. There's nothing set up to help you remain pure, which means this. You as a Christian have to make that choice. You have to set safeguards. You have to pay attention to what you watch on Netflix. You have to pay attention to what you click on on your phone. You have to pay attention to who and what you talk about, who you text, how you text, okay? I very rarely, unless it is just a quick question, very, normally not even those, very rarely text anyone of the opposite gender that is not in a group text with my wife. It's just a, it's just a practice. It's a safety ha practice for me as much as it is for her, as much as it is that individual. That's not me standing up here bragging. That's just something to where no one, no one in the 80s and 70s had group text or had texting, okay? There's, but very rarely do I send a text to another, someone of the opposite sex to where I do not include my wife. There are people on our staff that they do that with me. They'll send a text to me and my wife, and it's someone asking a question. I appreciate that. I don't think, well, that means that they just don't trust someone. No, that is something, that is a safeguard that they've placed in their life. 
Culture is not going to tell you, make sure that you don't DM people of the opposite gender. They're, not go they're going to encourage that. That's why there's memes about it. There's things that encourage that. So watch this. The world does not desire your purity. It desires your impurity. Secondly, temptation occurs consistently. Temptation occurs consistently. It says in uh, verse number, sorry, let me get back here. Verse number 10. Verse number 10. It says day by day. We're all pretty good at avoiding temptation one time, aren't we? But it's the day by day that wears on us. It's the known availability that begins to trip us up. It's knowing where we can go, where we can find that temptation. Yes, you might ignore it 100 times, but the 101st time is when you fail. Can I give you a statement that has helped me tremendously? Is that why give in to temptation during a moment when you can avoid it ahead of time? I'm going to give that to you one more time. Why give in to temptation during it when you can avoid it ahead of time? Watch this. If you know that there is a location, let's just, let's not even make it anything sinful, all right? If you know the Old Navy trips you up in your financial budget, okay? Are you going to go part, have you guys heard the Old Navy story from my wife and I? You guys have, haven't you? I'll tell it briefly, all right? We went into Old Navy when we first got married on my wife's birthday. I took her birthday shopping because I was a young husband and did not know how to buy for my wife. And so I was like, let's just go birthday shopping. I don't remember what happened. It was like a 50% off sale, like once in a lifetime of, of Old Navy. And I don't remember what happened, but our buggy cart shopping mobile, all right, whatever you want to call it, okay, was packed full of clothes. And it was like we had never had clothes before. I don't know if it was just we were young and stupid and, like, actually had money. And so I remember getting up there. I'm probably going to exaggerate the number. I don't think that I am. We did buy two pairs of pants for, like, her father-in-law or my father-in-law. What? Anyways. Okay. All right. Like $100. But it was 50% off. And I just remember seeing the total, you know, like how they'll turn their screen to where you can see the total or whatever, or like it's on that little thing. And I just remember like physically getting sick. Like, what have we done? Like, where, like, did we not look at the prices? Did we think that everything was free or whatever? I think that before they hit the little 50% thing, it was like $800. I think it was. It was like $800. And then they hit that little like magic button and it was like 422 and it was like that is no better. Like that's no better. That's <laughs> like what can we give back? What do we not need? Like we probably don't need five of the same jacket that's probably reversible and we can turn it inside out or something, all right? Like anyways, I do think that we ended up taking a bunch of stuff back and we did buy for people. But let's just say that Old Navy just like us is your weak spot. Are you going to drive down Medical Center Parkway? Are you going to park in the parking lot and think, you know what, this is a great place for me to do my homework? Like, if, are you going to just sit out there? Are you going to shop the sales? Are you going to make sure that you're subscribed to all, like when you go in and it says, would you like for us to send you emails about our great deals that are actually not great deals? And you're like, yes, send me all of them. Like, I want the extras. Are you going to make sure that you have all of those emails in your inbox? No, you are going to eliminate that because you know that it is a weak area. And for most of us, here's what we do. We eliminate one area 
but we know where we can go to find it, all right? You say, well, I'm not going to go to Old Navy and I'm not going to sit in the parking lot, okay? But you're getting text messages from them about 15% off and super cash, all right? You're going to get, you get emails about it and all of a sudden that hoodie that you've been wanting or whatever it is, those pair of jeans that you're like, oh my goodness, I would look so great in that pair of light jeans from the 1990s, all right? Whatever, all right? You step back and you say, all right, I'm going to ignore everything that comes from Old Navy. Now watch this. Why give in to temptation during it when you can avoid it ahead of time? Meaning this, that if you know that there are certain weaknesses in your life, set up safeguards around you to make sure that those do not occur. For some of you, that may mean buying some sort of, um, I can't think of what it's called, some sort of filter on your internet. For some of you, that may mean canceling or deleting Instagram off your phone. For some of you, that may mean deleting something else. That may mean unsubscribing from certain things. That may mean a lot of stuff for everyone. It's different. But why fail during it when you can succeed and avoid it ahead of time? If you know that you have something that you are struggling with, set up safeguards to keep you from going in that direction. Because temptation is consistent. It's going to keep knocking. It's going to keep coming back. And many times we do something a hundred times and we give in the hundred and first time or whatever. One of the things that we talk about when we talk about our, our security for our kids is this, is that there are times where people get frustrated. Like if we say, hey, you got to have this little tag to pick up your kids or whatever, especially during vacation Bible school. It's like there's 570 kids on property. We're going to make you have a sticker. I love the parents who take it like so seriously. They wear the sticker like all day. It says like, like it has like this little confirmation code and they just wear it all day. And it's like, all right, good job. You got, you have your sticker. But invariably there's always a parent that never has their sticker. And they're like, why do y'all do this? Why do y'all do this? And it's like, we do this for three days and we have 500 kids that picked up, so get picked up. We do it 1,500 times to make sure that number 1,499 or number 1,501 is not a kid who gets in the car with the wrong person. We do something well over and over and over and over again. We don't make exceptions. Why? Because we want to do it right for the one time that we need it. And for you as a child of God and as someone who's seeking to remain pure in a very impure world, you may do something 150 times and think, oh my goodness, this is so dumb. I can't believe I'm still doing this. I'm over it. I'm strong enough to handle it. You do it well every single time to kick in for the one time that you know that you're going to need it. And so the world does not desire your impurity. Temptation is going to come consistently. But number three, I want you to see this. Purity is of a great value. Purity is of a great value. I don't know that we can completely comprehend exactly what Joseph was experiencing in this moment. You see, in fact, Joseph's decision here, I believe, if you look at kind of the context of the story, Joseph had more to lose than re, uh, remaining pure than he had to gain remaining Im, or choosing impurity. There's no reason why this woman would have continued to pursue Joseph had there not been a desire. And here's what I want you to see. Joseph's choice to remain pure cost him more 
than his choice to choose impurity. And sometimes here's what we do. We assume that because it's convenient, because it's available, because it brings pleasure, because X, Y, Z, like you, ne- you make out the list of impurity. Well, because I enjoy that show, because I enjoy this conversation, because I enjoy this relationship, because we make all of these excuses, we assume that choosing purity is actually going to cost us. When here's what I believe that we need to retrain in our minds and have a paradigm shift on is the truth is is that purity is of greater value than anything that you can choose in this world. Remaining pure in what you watch is a greater value than a little bit of pleasure. Maybe a few laughs. Remaining pure in this world is better than maybe a job promotion. Choosing to seek after God and to prioritize him and and remain pure and spotless as he has also called us to be all of those things are better than what this world has to offer and here's the only thing that i can encourage you with as we close is that for some of you you look at maybe this idea of purity and it feels restricting it feels feels legalistic it feels whatever okay I want to think about what I want to think about, or I want to watch what I want to watch, or I want to do what I want to do. Can I just get you to see this? Joseph gave up much of what we would desire to remain pure. In fact, for many of you, if there was a choice between a job promotion and prison, and as long as you sacrificed a few things, probably be some of you that would sacrifice, wouldn't you? And yet, Joseph, what we find here is this, that he handled the barrage of daily consistent temptation. He had a false accusation made about him. But in verse number 21, he has something that he, would ne- he could not have gotten had he remained impure. Verse 21 says this, first part of it. But the Lord was with him and showed him mercy. I want to ask you one closing question before we're done. What is it that you have been willing to sacrifice the presence of the Lord for? What is it that you have been willing to sacrifice the presence of the Lord for? I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about your eternity. I'm talking about simply this. God cannot abide where sin resides. Meaning that if sin is prevalent and heavy and priority in your life, I can promise you that God is way down the chain on that. And sometimes what we miss is this. Well, my impurity is bringing me laughs. My impurity has made me funny down at work. My my impurity has maybe caused this to occur, or, or maybe it's just that I enjoy it. All of those reasons that you just gave or excuses that you just gave, the consequence or the byproduct of them is that you've also possibly missed out on the joy of the presence of the Lord. 
And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that impurity does not bring any joy because the Bible teaches us that there is pleasure in sin for a season. Okay? But there is also never-ending, eternal, never-waning joy in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I know that for many of you, this is a very broad spectrum that I'm trying to hit in this room. Some of you are dating. Some of you are engaged. Some of you are married. Some of you want to be married. Some of you have, have been engaged. Some of you have experienced the highs and lows, and you're, you're all over the map on this thing. There's never too late of a time for you to choose purity. But there is also nothing that you should sacrifice for the presence and relationship of Jesus Christ that you can have in him. I would hate to think that one of these days when we stand before God, we would stand before him and we would see just how great of a joy his presence actually is. I don't think we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be like, oh man, this is so, such a letdown, okay? I think that when we stand before Jesus Christ and the God, our Heavenly Father, we're going to see just how amazing his presence and how wonderful and how great and mighty he is. And I would hate to think that one of these days when we get to heaven, we would have this aha moment of, I wish that I would have lived down there the way that I am now having and called to live up here. I wish that I would have lived with an eternal God-like perspective on earth that I'm having to live up here. And for some of us, that constant just ticking, knocking, patiently waiting of temptation, it wears on us. It gets to us. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that, you're, that you are called to be perfect, okay? That's why you need Jesus Christ. But here's what I can say is that as you fall in love with that first love, it becomes so much easier to protect your purity because now you have something to give up. And unfortunately, the reason why so many Christians struggle to remain pure in this impure world is because they have nothing to lose. They have more to gain by sinning and falling into impurity than they do to lose by falling in love with Jesus Christ. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray and we'll be done. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.